Hi, and welcome to the Future of Development podcast. My name's Anthony Montategi, and I'm here to inspire people to find amazing careers in the construction development world. like our podcast, please make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really like our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Future Development Podcast. My name is Anthony Montategi, and today I'm so excited about the guests we have on board. We've got Scott Christensen. He is a professor over at the Trelaski College of Business. He is engaging in thought-leading ideas where technology meets society and the impact on our civilization. His students are both engaged in thought-leading ideas and creativity. Uh, Scott's background includes uh, telecommunications for multiple organizations throughout this country. His experience in both those realms uh, really makes him the thought leader that he is. I'm so excited to have him on board today. Let's give him a big welcome. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Scott, uh, welcome to the show. So, uh, you know, when I had you in the, uh, the conversation about having you on board, uh, I really got excited because what you're doing with students and technology and what's happening uh, in their world and what's what's coming out to impact their lives, I think you're on the front edge of that, right? You're uh, really working on bringing that and seeing how AI and uh, technology is going to impact humanity. And uh, I think your experience of that is great for our audience. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, we're all wondering what's the future going to be, you know? And so that's the big question that my students and I are trying to ask. And I would say it's more exciting and probably more scary than ever. Yeah, I, I think that's true. You know, I, I think that that's the part where, you know, creation and society is changing faster than ever, right? I mean, they're, they're you know, I was uh, doing a podcast yesterday with the guys from Matterport and we're looking at digital information and how Matterport doing 3D cameras, uh, they're capturing spatial analysis, looking at things way differently. And they've shifted from just the cameras that they are really being a digital informational platform, right? And, you know, the thought is that the cameras were what got, got them thinking about the idea, but then all of a sudden noticing that they've got all of this data, and now this data is probably the most impactful thing they've collected. So, and I think that's, that's what people are noticing, that it's happening so fast that something gets learned, and then the impacts of that aren't even known for that. The, the, the outcome of something changing uh, it, it's, it's just uh, it multiplies. Yeah, it's amazing the amount of data that's out there. And you're exactly right that many companies are finding out that it's the data that's what's valuable. So, for example, we have a company here in town uh, called Equipment Share, and I'm not associated with them, but I do have several students that work there. And the original idea was, why don't we have kind of a sharing economy for heavy construction equipment? So, uh, you own a dump truck and I need a dump truck. I'll go on my phone and uh, I will reserve the dump truck for this weekend. And Equipment Share would not only facilitate that, they would also provide the bonding so that I, if I drove the uh, dump truck off the uh, cliff here and into the Missouri River, um, you would get your dump truck back or get a dump truck back, right? And so they thought, well, that's, you know, that's great. And they were expanding and, and, you know, a lot of people have idle equipment and they thought this is a great way to use that idle equipment. Well, they found out that as they put different sensors on the equipment, there was really all that sensor data, you know, where is it? How long is it being used at what, uh, you know, RPMs at all, 
all this type of data about the machinery, and then they can do kind of predictive analytics. And I'm, I'm sure that your listeners know about many companies that do this now, where they can say, okay, Scott, um, this little widget's going to fail. And so we'll be out there tonight and replace that little widget so that you don't have any downtime tomorrow on your site. So I think it's really um, uh, amazing the amount of data that we can collect. Of course, it's very cheap to keep that data around. And there's even data about data, we call it metadata. So it's not only um, uh, information about like a picture that you took, it's not the picture, it's when you took it, it's all these other things. Um, so even the metadata can have some very interesting characteristics that we can analyze. So it's all just fodder for these new AIs, these machine learning algorithms that can then help us predict what the future is going to be like. I, when I got married, when I first got married, I got for a wedding gift, I got an iced tea brewer. Right? And I remember, you know, on my wedding, it wasn't on our registry, but all of a sudden I had all these weird pieces of equipment. I'm married now. I went from single guy to having a home. And, and, you know, and my, all of a sudden I had all this, these, these things in the kitchen. And then I realized, just like the equipment people, how many of these parts and pieces were used? I, mean, I use them maybe once or twice a year, right? You have a big right. party. You have a, a, I need a punch bowl. I, I, I have a, a big party. Maybe I need special trays. And oftentimes, most of that stuff sits in the back of some, some drawer somewhere. Uh, now, all of a sudden, and I always thought to myself, what a waste of stuff, right? I have all of this plastic and metal junk that's back in here and I use it maybe, you know, three hours a year, five hours a year, right? And right. I mean, how, how many other places where that could be? And I think that's the part where, you know, the students that are coming out today, if, if they can stay conscious and really aware and look for those opportunities, there's where they can impact and create ideas that will really be the next billion dollar idea. You know, uh, I, I look back and, and say, it's, you know, it's like, here, like this podcast, do a broadcast like this in the 50s might have cost us a million dollars. Right? I mean, it would take a, a production booth and, a, a, you know, a studio and lights. And today I've got a camera. I've got you, me, this laptop, and we're broadcasting to the world. And that is happening faster. You know, our ability to create ideas happens now. You know, as students for students, they come out and they have that awareness and they can look at a place where there's a function like, all right, what am I going to do with this piece of uh, kitchen equipment that I only use for five hours a day? Now, how do I take what's out there and what what, what can I mimic or, or copy and put that into the, into the world? Their, their opportunities are endless. I, I agree. And I think it's interesting, too, that when you talk about these uh, transformations, if I can get up my phone and I can get a high-end mixer from you for the day because I need to make some sort of cake or something, or you can get my chainsaw for the day because it's normally, like I said, used three hours a, a year. Has my chainsaw or the mixer become digital now? I, I kind of wonder, you know, is that just a way to really look at the digitization of the world? We had three of our MBA students that started a very interesting company called uh, Roo Storage. They've since been acquired, and so it did well. But here was the basic idea. And I will, I'm will i saying this because I think it reveals kind of the generational change that's happening with this idea. They said, well, 
I need to store some stuff from May to August because I've got a lease that ends in May and another one that begins in August. And I don't want to haul this stuff back to my parents' house and put it in their garage because I bought sofas and, and other things. So what I'll do is I will just simply, kind of like Airbnb, see who has some empty space that will let me store my stuff in. Okay. And then uh, I'll come back and get it. And so they worked through all the things that Airbnb had to work through, you know, the issues of trust and, and insurance and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's a generational change because I don't know about you, but I have so much stuff in my house. You'd have to pay me like a million dollars to accept somebody else's stuff into my house, you know? And so when I first looked at it, I was like, oh my God, this is, there's no way this is going to work. Uh, but you know, I'm the wrong generation for that market, right? So I'm not, I'm not the uh, uh, generation that's going to use that, but they've been highly successful. And so I think uh, a lot of students are really questioning, well, uh, you know, especially with the financial outlook, you know, kind of nebulous, do I really want to put all that money into this particular thing or do I just want to rent it when I need it? I think that what they're, what they're doing, you know, what these guys from Matterport were doing, and I think they're doing is, you know, back when we were growing up, it was, I owned it, you didn't, ha, 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 right? And today there was like this feeling of like, I had to have it. I had to own it. I had to own, you know, even, even, even staff members, you know, uh, I, our company really, uh, CDO group, we uh, were outsourced construction and, you know, general contractors and outsourced uh, construction manager. Essentially, you're running a team of people to go do your rollout of a construction program. But back in the day, when I, when I first started the business, you you had to own those employees. You had to be. And today, they're realizing, all right, look, dude, our, our core competency has nothing to do with construction. How about we do what we focus our, our business on, and then we bring in people when we need them. Uh, same thing. We were finding out with you know uh, the ideas of today. They're going, look, you guys in the past carried a lot of weight for things that were kind of nonsense. And they're starting to look at it and go, you don't necessarily need to own it. We could, we could leverage what you've learned with what I want to do. And in our collaboration, we really make it way, way more efficient, grow a lot faster. Uh, no need to reinvent the wheel because you've already invented the wheel. I'm just going to put my car on it and we're going to drive together. And, and now this works. You know, the, the, the guys from that uh, Matterport, they're like, hey, look, we created the camera, but now there's a bunch of cameras out there. And now our whole like, technology for storing data and holding that is really important. Here, whatever your idea is, great. Take the technology we have, the, the data we've collected, or the data you want to collect. You can use our, our platform to store it and collect it. And hey, by the way, we like to use that same data to, to you know, uh, do spatial analysis, do all kinds of other creative ideas that they're doing that weren't there before. And I think it's just such an interesting way to look at the changes of our society than from, you know, like when, when we were growing up, you know? Yeah, and I think that, that concept of your core competence and understanding what that is and the value you bring to your customers is critical. Uh, to use kind of a classic case, Kodak came up with the first digital camera in the 1970s. It was awful. And uh, I mean, I always tell my students the first image was horrible, 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 really bad. But the next year it doubled to just horrible, 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 really bad, and so forth and so on. So it was doubling more law. It was getting better and better. But Kodak said, well, this is going to eat into chemical sales. Okay. Well, was the customer looking to Kodak to deliver chemicals or did they really just want the pictures? 
and they really just wanted the pictures. And so really understanding what your core competence is and not just tying yourself to um, especially a physical object makes a lot of sense. So we don't care what cameras you bring. You can use our cameras, you can use somebody else's, but Zoom, for example, which we're doing this on right now, doesn't care that I have a Logitech camera and you have you know, some other camera. Uh, it's a bring your own uh, technology and we'll make the connection happen because that's their core competence. And they're not gonna get into the business of making cameras and things like that. I, I think companies like Kodak, for sure, you can see where they held on to that chemical idea. Like it's got that shift to going, it's not chemicals, it's the picture. And I think that there's where that uh, uh, to look at, like look at the opportunities where where people are holding on to something like it's got to be this way and look for the opportunity to go, no, it doesn't have to be that way. I, I could I can really go, it doesn't have to be a physical thing. The digital platform revolutionized uh, imaging and what we could do with imaging and, and that shift, you know, letting go of it and being nimble. Right, and I think that's where young people have it today. They're they're able to change ideas and thoughts. Sometimes I sit with my kids. I'm like, oh. right, they, just the amount of ideas that come out of them blow me away. And I, and it's, you know, my want for them is to stay, to just continue to keep exercising that muscle. Right, to stay in that spot where they're they're practicing that muscle. And you know, I, I, I there's a lot of people that are checked out nowadays. You know, if, if you go back in the fifties. People smoke cigarettes and doctors smoke cigarettes. Today, you look at it and go, I can't believe people smoke cigarettes anymore, right? And there are some that are holding on. I've got a parent who still hangs on. But today, you see in every one of the videos you look at, people are drinking and drugs. And some people can't handle the overwhelmingness that's happening. And my request to the kids is, hey, stay as conscious as you can. But stay aware, right? Look, it's uncomfortable. Feel uncomfortable. It's okay. Look, it's okay not to feel comfortable all the time. But know that what's happening is never before in the history of the world are things changing so rapidly. And our opportunities are in that of uh, finding the finding it and being nimble and going for it, right? The, the, uh, you know, we started the conversation talking a little bit about AI, right? And I really want to go there because I love that conversation. I see that's the next, the next big uh, boom in our growth as in humanity, right? Uh, the ability to have uh, take AI and machine learning and the stuff that that's going to impact the speed by which we develop ideas uh, faster than ever before. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And one of the things I try to talk to my students about is that the barriers to entry into these different industries have lowered significantly. And even when we talk about AI, I did an exercise with my students last week and we trained an AI. Uh, we basically trained an AI to understand what motions they were making with their phone, whether they were uh, waving it or doing circles. And we did that all over the internet. It wasn't any smoke and mirrors type of thing. Um, we were able to use existing tools, commercial tools to do that. And we didn't have to understand discrete math and, and you know, what all was going on behind it. But the, at the same time, getting back to your point about keeping engaged, this is lowering the barriers to entry for everybody. Okay, so the kid in Bangladesh that wants to do this is now gonna be competing for your lunch, right? So there's good and bad things about this. That's one of the things that's pretty eye-opening when I take students abroad. Uh, during the summers, I would take students abroad and we would combine students from uh, uh, the local Spanish university with my students. It would be taught in English. But I'd ask, what's, what's NAFTA? Somebody explain NAFTA to me. And of course, the European students could explain NAFTA and they could explain 
a lot about how our economy worked and the students were a little, our students were a little stunned. And I was like, yeah, that's because they pay attention because they know they, they want to be where you're at. They weren't, had, didn't have the privilege of being born in the U.S. So they're going to have to work their asses off and they're going to come for your lunch. They're hungry, right? They, they, they get that, that hunger from not having to wanting, right? Where uh, some of our kids kind of grow up without that hunger piece. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all the same thing in India where uh, these, you know, this uh, Krishna guys that uh, we've worked real hard on building a, a school for girls. And he was very, very adamant about, we've got to get computers, high-tech computers. We got to, you know, it wasn't just about getting them schools and uniforms and feeding them. It was like, we got to get there. And you could see the impact of them having technology and their desire, right? Their, that hungerness in them. Once they take that, attach it to the tool that multiplied it, the technology, they're, they're going to change the world, right? They're, 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 those, those girls are literally, I, I feel like, they, they've got these skill sets, but what they have on top of that is hunger. And I think those two combinations are, are, are kind of fun to watch. Oh, I, I agree. And I think it's going to be um, interesting times. I'm very interested to see how my industry of education changes post-COVID uh, with AI and uh things of that nature, I can see lots of different models for, once again, thinking about what is our core competency? Am I preparing a citizen to live in the world? Am I preparing someone for a specific trade? Uh, What am I actually doing as a professor? What's my core competency? Hopefully, it is helping them and guiding them on how to think critically and how to use resources to always be updating your skills. So this idea of just-in-time training, I imagine that you are not using the skills that you got in high school or college, and I'm not using the skills I got in high school or college. I've had to train myself. Students need to realize that there's great resources, and I think our higher education institutions need to kind of come off our high horse a little bit and realize there's some great courses out there, like on course. Sarah and Khan Academy and all these other places that offer fantastic education. And why are we trying to duplicate that just so we can get the tuition, right? But isn't, isn't it funny how you, I mean, how many times have you heard, I don't need to go to college, I got Google, right? I mean, I, I, my, my, kids, my kids are like that, like, Dad, do I really need to go to college? I'm like, look, you need to figure out how to do your laundry and you got to figure out all the other social skills that need to come with that. But I, 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 your point, if, if colleges hold on to you know, just like Kodak, if they hold on to the chemicals and not think about what the opportunity is, I think the organizations that will really transform into the digital world, you know, it's not going to be the sticks and mortar, although that may be exist and have some experiential experiences. I think they're, they're going to be in how they deliver that technology, right? Who are, the, who are the folks that will embrace the AI learning and who will be smarter at delivering that? You know, I think it's in the future, you'll hire, you know, uh, you, you look at universities as I'm now engaging and committing to this university way of learning, uh, AI delivering technology to my, my, my continuous learning group. And I can see AI in the future never being classroom oriented. It, it happened, the learning happens in lifestyle, right? As, as we know, a student's going to need to go someplace. Let's say that you want to become a, uh, a painter uh, and you want to learn how to paint houses, or let's use that for example, that somewhere during their day, they will have the experience of learning how to apply paint to a roller, uh, put it on properly to a wall. Uh, that same technique may, may happen with you know, mathematics and with uh, accounting. And you can see how that uh, learning could happen in a much different experience that would be student related rather than, you know, 
Right now, education kind of serves the masses, that uh, it'll it apply to them, their, their social environment, their worldview, and give them the ability to have that learning through that lens and adapted for them solely, not for the masses, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, is a great use of AI to be able to customize and kind of find your own path. But I also think that one of the things you kind of mentioned there indirectly, which is how do you have a good life, right? So uh, a lot of my students are very driven by, you know, GPA and, uh, you know, I got to get into this top program. We have one of the best accounting programs. So a lot of my students are trying to, it's like number three in the nation. So they're trying to get into that and then they get placed at a big corporate firm. And then sometimes they realize I'm not happy. Right. So uh, I'm sure you've been to high school reunions where <laughs> you find that uh, in their twenties, everybody's working their butts off in their thirties, they're getting divorced because it turns out they're not in the right field. So maybe you would be much happier being a painter. You'd be an excellent painter. Uh, maybe that's what uh, you need to do for your life to um, be happy. My students are always, I think, disappointed as well as stunned when I tell them that nobody has ever asked for my GPA. Okay. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I'm a college professor. And when I got this job, nobody asked me, what was your undergraduate GPA? Okay. If they looked, it would have been less than a 3.0. It would have been a 2.8 or something. I wasn't that great student when I started out. I kind of had to grow up a little bit. And, you know, I liked all the beer and football, but um, uh, I wasn't uh, self-disciplined enough to, you know, kind of figure it out until my uh, later years. But I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's about how do you find that path and can we use AI to help people guide that path and as our paths change in life too, right? So is it there, you know, that part you talked about, hey, I like beer and football. I wasn't always some model student. Hey, you know, by the way, I, I, this is my experience my first 48 years on this planet was like a dog walking in a room. I smelled everything, pissed on most stuff. I, I walked around, I couldn't stay. I just wanted to experience it. It was like, da, 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 da. And then I started to flow into and lean back into uh, the things I had learned and then start taking advantage of those in my business world took off. But really my experience of beginning of life was one of sucking up knowledge so fast and oftentimes changing jobs, changing ideas. You know, this, you know, from, from probably 16, 22, I would change jobs every three to six months. I would do something, I would master it, I would, I'd get there, I would just bored. Yeah, I remember I worked for this great little couple in Florida. Uh, they owned a little pool company. And I learned how to clean pools. And, and then one day I was like, well, hey, I was talking to the guy, he has great, I had a route. And I'm like, hey, why are we pressure people, uh, cleaning people's sidewalks? And he's like, yeah, do it. And I would go around and go, hey, would you like me to you know, pressure clean your thing? And all of a sudden I doubled his income. And I remember I did that and I was like, well, okay, now I'm bored with this. And great. And I left him going, hey, look, I'm, I'm really not, I love you guys, but I don't want to clean pools for the rest of my life. But here, I hope I left you with a great idea. I did some, I had some fun doing this. And I hope the pressure clean part of the business just doubled your revenue. And uh, I had a great time working here. I hope we'll be friends forever. So just, those experiences are great. I didn't need to be there forever. I didn't need to clean pools forever, but it was a great learning. And I learned a little bit about sales and make people happy. And, you know, it was kind of fun, you know, been in swimming pools for a little bit. And, yeah, it, was, it was kind of fun. So uh, I think that, you know, there you're, you're right, you're right on it. And teaching people how to live life, uh, enjoy the journey, right? And I think that's where we, we come in and go, hey, look, relax a little bit. You're uh, here. We, we understand wanting to be successful, but also successful means having a life that's worth living, you know, that you enjoy and, uh, uh, you know, giving back to the planet, 
made maybe maybe one of those experiences that uh, you're giving up on. If it's always me, 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 how can I advance? You know, some of that experience. And I think as we get older, probably you and I would agree that the things that we regret are the things that we didn't do sometimes. Uh, where we were, you know, too shy or we didn't want to try something for fear of being, being embarrassed. And, you know, I tell a lot of my students that are wanting to get into entrepreneurship that, you know, you've got to test ideas, you know, like you walking up to somebody and asking, do you want me to pressure treat your sidewalk? If you've got an idea for a business, start calling up potential customers and saying, hey, Anthony, this is Scott. I'm a student, but I have this idea. Is there, would you pay $10 for this widget or this service or whatever it is? And then find out, you know, if your idea is good or not, and then change your idea, move on to something else. But what you do in that process is you're learning a skill, right? You're going to learn how to cold call people. You're going to learn how to ask questions. Um, as long as you are building your capabilities as you go along, that's a successful project in my mind. Okay, so maybe that you didn't offer that service or their product, but you built your own capabilities. You're now able to do things you weren't able to do before. Maybe you had to create a website to, uh, uh, you know, do this, or maybe you had to learn how to use um, certain equipment or get a license to operate a drone or something like that. Well, now you have that capability, even though that particular project or, or business didn't uh, take off, you now have that capability you can bring to the next thing. And so that's another kind of thing I think we have to think about is that, you know, how do I build these capabilities? And then kind of going a little bit off what you said, being um, able to operate in different areas, being able to, I, I say it as being the overlap. Okay. So I'm a tech guy and there's certainly better tech guys than me. There's certainly worse. I'm a teacher. There's certainly better teachers than me. I'm certainly not the worst either, but there's very too few tech guys that are good at teaching. Okay, so I'm in that overlap. And so that gives me a special skill that I can capitalize on and, and make a good living with and enjoy it. So if you're uh, the accountant that also loves art history, embrace that. You know, uh, get a minor in art history and be the accountant that knows about um, how museums need to do their accounting because you depreciate or appreciate these, uh, you know, masterpieces of different ways. You know, figure out where that overlap is for you. And I just, uh, that was what we did in my business. Uh, believe it or not, we sold video conferencing equipment, uh, you know, 15 years ago when it was $100,000 a room to uh, equip it. And it looked horrible compared to what we're experiencing here on our computers. You know, the, uh, there, there were audio video companies uh, and there were telecom companies. But there were very few telecom companies who knew anything about uh, audio video. And there was very few audio video that knew anything about uh, networking. And so we were in this nice little overlap. Okay. Uh, and so I find that that's another kind of uh, way to think about things when you're going from, from project to project. Don't think, well, I'm, I'm just disorganized. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not focused. Uh, no, you're, you're, you're making this bigger Venn diagram of overlapping circles. Of, uh, and you're going to be the special guy that knows how to maintain pools and do construction and talk about AI. So <laughs> Connecting dots going forward are hard to see. I, I don't, you know, to, to project out what I'll do in 10 years. You know, my, my wife and I were just on vacation in the Maldives. We sat down and our whole purpose was to spend a week looking at the next 25 years of our marriage. 
And we said, we want a plan, I'll tell you, what does it look like for, for 25 years? And we come up with a list of ideas and some things, but it really was hard to sit and think, of, where are you going to be 25 years from now? It's like really hard. Now, we got a couple of things we want. We want to be healthy. We want our family to have certain things, some lifestyle needs. But to really see where we're going to live, and to finally, like I knew I wanted to be around more. I, I knew a couple of generalities of it. But the truth is, where I had more success is when I went backwards and look at the, look, the pool, you know, I, I, was, I spent some time at a brokerage house, I, I, working at a one of the boiler room. Do you want to see that movie, Boiler Room? I worked in one of those. I remember the guy taught me how to sell on the phone. I remember the first time a woman sent me money on the phone, and it was my voice. They never, we never even met. She was in, she was in Plato, Texas, and she sent the company $20,000. All I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, I used my voice her away. It built across it. She sent me twenty thousand dollars. Now today, to be able to use your voice and communicate and walk up to someone with a pool or you know or whatever the business is that we're doing, realizing it's just talking. And that looking backward is probably the best thing. I, I mean, I hadn't even gone to college yet. I was that was right out of high school. I went, you know, everybody wanted to be a broker in the eighties. It was you know. Uh, my friends were making like 20,000 bucks a month. I'm like, oh my God, this is crap. I mean, my new place and all that crazy stuff. And then I realized that wasn't my thing. Like, like calling people, asking for money and then having them lose their life. You know, it's like I was working for penny stock companies and they, were, they weren't always the most ethical. And I realized right, I probably don't want to do that. I think I learned a lot more about what I didn't want to do than what I wanted to do. But the skills you, 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 you talked about, you know, keep going after it. Keep getting the skill set. Keep trying something on. That will apply somewhere as we go forward. And the multipliers that we're facing now with, with the internet, right? And bringing the cost, the cost of entry, a point of a cost of entry in, uh, the equalizer for, for the for these skills, everything that they learn, then we can apply. Now, the same thing's gonna happen with AI as AI brings that to the, to the ground and the massive amount of an equalizer that it becomes, or even the multiplier, taking your idea, vetting it through, uh, you know, we were just looking at a real estate for a brand that sells uh, burritos. And we were looking at how to look at if they had X number of dollars, it was, it was about a billion dollars, and we wanted to execute across the country. Today, we can take their model, right, where their perfect customer are, and we can look at it from multiple trade areas. You know, we can look at it from uh, household income, day population, deliveries. Today, we can bring in third-party data, Uber Eats or, or any of the third-party platforms uh, for, for deliveries and pickups. And they can now look at a site way different. Not only can we look at the site itself and its characteristics, but the chance of doing a deal based on how many deals are in the marketplace, right? And then uh, we can actually look at performer models based on current rents and all those things. So the, the information that we can get and the speed by which, you know, those, that same deal may have taken a year and a half in the past. By the time I uh, saw for rent sign, went back to market, did an analysis. I, I can remember when I was a kid, I'd sit on, on sites with a stopwatch or a clicker, counting you know, people walking by. Today, all that stuff's you know, available to us. So I think that's the stuff that we're noticing, speed by which we can, we can do these things uh, is a great benefit for the, for the, for the young folks that are, that are entering our world. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, uh, um, you know, the we used to joke a lot about Starbucks and how many Starbucks were coming, uh, you know, on every corner and there's going to be a Starbucks in the Starbucks. And uh, my students, we were talking about this one time and they're saying like, well, you know, there's these Starbucks, but they have huge lines all the time. Why did they place them there? 
And it's like, well, it's designed to have huge lines because they knew the traffic patterns of where people are going to and from, what their relative wealth is and these neighborhoods are coming out of. So they're not putting it in your neighborhood where you know you can't afford the coffee every day. They're putting it in my neighborhood where all everybody else around me can afford the coffee every day and you know can sit in their nice car and, and not uh, freeze to death. But that's uh, you know all this stuff and it, it, like you said, it's so available to you and being able to do experiments as well. Um, as we talked about before, along with combining this data, I mean, I think it's going to be a great time to start a business. If you look at businesses that are born out of recessions, uh, they sometimes do very well because they have to be lean, right? They have to be smart about it. They can't just uh, get a bunch of extra dollars and waste it as they're going along. So I think uh, if you want to be an entrepreneur, uh, this is the time to do it, uh, especially as we emerge post-COVID. Come on, you're, you're, you're two young guys or two young gals or you're, you're, you're a couple of friends Today is the time to start that business. Go for it, right? I mean, you got no kids, you got no responsibilities, you got, you know, work all day, work all night. You know, the thing is, how many friends don't do that? You know, I, I watch friends, you know, it, we talk about with our kids all the time. How many of your friends are checking out, they, you know, playing 10 hours of video games? It's like, great, I got it, but I'm not sure where you're going to go with that. And you're like, oh, dad, they're going to be professional video game players. I'm not sure how that's working out for him, but, you know, we, we sat around the table last night as a family and we were just playing the game. Uh, what if, and we came up with a bunch of different ideas of things that come and they're like, dad, this is so much fun. I'm like, yeah. What if we played that game at night instead of the video game stuff that it's, that's happening, you know, where we start to really play with, you know, let's try out a couple of ideas and vet them out. And then, you know, someone at the table said, no, 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 I think that's not going to work. And then, well, yeah, but yeah, it could work. And then oh, what about this? And, you know, there was idea conversations around that. And today, more than ever, two, two friends can, can get together, rub two sticks together, and create a billion-dollar idea that will revolutionize the world if they'll just stay in that spot, right? And a lot of that takes a little bit of practice, a little bit of the just noticing where I want to check out, my fears, my, my, my stuff that scares me, you know, some of the messages I've been getting, who do you think you are? Uh, you know, kids should be seen and not heard. Some of that stuff we created, right? I mean, some of the stuff I, I laid on my own kids, right? Uh, my parents laid on me. And just breaking through those thoughts and, you know, playing the game of, yeah, some of my programming may be messed up. Every time I feel like checking out, I may have been programmed not to do that stuff, not to step out there and take risk. You know, my, my mother wanted, oh, here, all my mother wanted me to be is a butcher. I remember as a kid, my mom wanted me to be a butcher. She, my first job was in a butcher shop. It's like, no matter what happens, you can always cut me. You can walk in any any grocery store, anywhere in the world. You, you, that's all she wanted me to be safe, right? It wasn't about taking the risk. So some of my programming, I had to break through the programming, right? And and uh, you know, some of our kids are the same way. Some of our uh, some of the things we've done to our own children have programmed them to be safe and stay secure and maybe not you know, take those risks. And, and I'm saying go the other way. Right now's the time you have no responsibilities. Go for it. You you, you have that idea. Great, go for it. There's there's not much you can lose uh, now that uh, you know that you know later on in your life you look back and go look. Even the the most I've learned are from failed businesses, uh, failed ideas, things that, that didn't work. I've learned more about myself there, uh, more about what I don't want to do than what I wanted. Knowing what I want to do is more about knowing what I didn't want to do more than anything else. So I think that's a, a fun place for us to keep playing. 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, my undergraduate degree was in biology. I loved the subject and I had some great teachers. It was a lot of fun. I graduated and I got a job as a lab tech and I'm sitting in a windowless lab with a bunch of rats and radioactive chemicals. And the guy next to me get his, got his 30 years of service pin. And that was the point at which I said, I got to get the hell out of here before this becomes a career. <laughs> you know, right. because I don't want to be sitting in this basement with these rats 30 years from now. And um, it, that was the time to take some risks. And luckily, my wife uh, supported me in that. I, I took a part-time job, went from a full-time job with benefits to a part-time job that uh, was in another town because uh, it had these uh, new opportunities. Um, but when you're young, you do have some superpowers. And also, especially for students, if uh, you got a random call from some 50-year-old guy like me needing help for an hour of your time, eh, I mean, you're a nice guy. I'm sure you would you would probably uh, do something uh, to help me out. But if you got a call from a 20 year old student or a 19 year old student saying, "Anthony, I'm I really wanting to start this business. Is there any chance I could get 45 minutes of your time?" You're going to probably say yes, right? And I'm going to do the same thing for students. So I always tell students, you have a superpower. Um, us older, more successful folks, we want to give back. Okay, and we're not going to give back to you know our peers per se, I mean, not to say always we wouldn't, but um, we're more likely to give it uh, very easily to someone who's just up and coming because we want to see, see them succeed. So you kind of have a superpower when you're starting out as well. I, I've never met a successful person ever. I, you know, a great, great conversation. I mean, I'm happy to, a student called me up and says, hey, I got this idea. Great. I, I, yeah, I might have to schedule into something because of life stuff, but I can't wait to go there and watch their uh, enthusiasm for it, right? That that piece that they have that, you know, I, I think all of us have been there. You know, your experience is right on. You're right on, Scott. Right, 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 right on. So that we were kind of getting around the subject of emotional intelligence, right? So it's not so much the technical stuff because we can find this in the cloud and other places like that. It's emotional intelligence. How do we tell our story to our potential customers? How do we sell that billion dollar idea? So that's um, where I think we need to have more skills. I will mention, uh, getting back to AI, there is something, uh, once again, I don't have this uh, 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 not associated with this company, but it's called Crystal Nose. And it's kind of interesting. You can, you can sign up it's on that, uh, actually I have a website I'll mention called learnabout.ai, where I put all sorts of different AI examples. So if people wanna go there, uh, it's like I said, it's not selling anything, but it has different books, different tutorials if you wanna learn about AI. But what this one does is it actually looks at your LinkedIn profile and other data on the web, and it will try to develop a personality uh, profile. So I could look you up before I even call you, because we know that cold calls are a little bit Hard, right. So I could go on there and I could look it up and say, well, if you're talking with Anthony, he's going to want to be approached this way. You know, he's analytical. He needs data or no, he's, you know, about the big picture. Tell him a story, um, you know, and it helps you kind of bridge that. So it's interesting that even in these areas of uh, emotional intelligence, we're starting to see AIs at least be by our side and kind of help us nudge us along. Right. So we can even look at that at for as far as like forming teams. So you have teams that have worked well together, I'm sure. And you've had teams that have not worked well together. Just sometimes the personalities don't match. So how can you kind of pair up people that are going to be energized by each other and find that right combination? You know, we work on, uh, you know, this morning I had a team meeting with a group that uh, is there estimating. 
you know, they're going through, I think they got nine estimates they have to get out this week, right? There's, that's a lot, right? I mean, they're multi-million dollar jobs. And that team is just like, it's a lot like pants on fire type stuff. And, um, you know, things that we noticed today, you know, there, there's lots of stress in that group. And there's a lot of, so even you're even noticing some breakdown where people are having, uh, going through fear. And, you know, last night, guys like, I don't know if I should quit. I don't know. Like, look. There's, there's a lot going on right now. The work we're doing is great and keeping them focused away from the drama about, you know, and, but this is a great time to notice. All right. What got you here? Look, I'm not going to be able to change it now. Right now we're in the gunfire. We're going to get through this gunfire today, but what we can really notice is what got us here. So maybe the next time, the, the next project we have going in, the one we're going to go in next week for the next, you know, over the next month, where did we notice that what where do we make a mistake today that caused the gunfire today? And it was great, some great learning that happened came out of this morning's meeting, right? Uh, it came through, you know, hey, we got the project and it took us three or four days to get it into the system. Well, we lost three or four days. So that three or four days, have we had that today at the end of the job? Right, it would have made all the difference in the world and the pressure that we're under, right? Because we're we got bids that are due at five o'clock today this morning or waiting for bidders to get them in. They got to go through the analysis work and, and check all the stuff out. It's a lot of pressure uh, for the group. But had they had this three days ago, right now you would have had a little bit less, more time. So, so just one of the ideas was, hey, just noticing that our system is flawed and that we're taking too long to get it in the system. And now while we're under the gunfire to go back and go, all right, great, notice the pressure. And now we can go through and change that. Now, I think that where AI and all the technologies are going is that our business and, and lots of businesses have been fish in a fish tank. Right, they kind of go back around and go, oh look, bubbles. They 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 don't notice a problem, and they go back to the next problem and they do it again. And I'm like, all right, AI gives us that ability to create the algorithms, the systems, the thought process that goes, hey, the the, the project started here. How do I upload that within an hour of getting it? And how do we make the uploading of the project to the system faster? Right, and we can go look at the tools and the technology and the and the approach to, to bring them on there. And then you know, it's, I think there's where we start to look at where the struggles are, and, and just being okay with hey, that kid could have checked out yet, and that would have been checked out, or just going, hey, look, understand you're uncomfortable, get it. There's nothing you're doing wrong. Our system has a flaw that we caused it. We caused this depression because we took three days to upload the system, and it, had we given you three days, you'd been a much different experience. And just stay, it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay that the system's flawed. Hey, and we're going to learn from it. If we don't get this bid, it'll be something we caused. Now, why don't we take that and learn on the next one? So, so I think there's where staying conscious, be okay to be uncomfortable, right? Because a lot of us don't want to be uncomfortable. That feeling of uncomfortable is not there. Just, all right, you're uncomfortable. Just feel it. Great. Let it go through you. And now let's work on what the opportunity is through that learning. So. No, I think we talk a lot about lessons learned in projects, but too often we don't look at those lessons, right? We don't do a real good post-mortem to really decide what happened here. Um, how can we um, improve this in the future? And I know, you know, talking about things that are uncomfortable, one of the lessons I finally learned in my business is that you have to fire your customers sometimes. Uh, and I remember this one that was uh, toward the end of when I was running my business I just had this real uneasy feeling. It was it was a big project, you know, a lot of money. And we just kept on going back and talking with them. And I just got, you know, I just got more and more uneasy. And I just, I couldn't really pinpoint what it was. And uh, we were actually uh, brought in by a manufacturer. 
And so I called the manufacturer as well as the potential customer. I said, look, I'm not going to be your guy on this. You need to find someone else. And uh, they were both very upset. The manufacturer was really upset. And, you know, Scott, you know, we trusted you. We brought you in on this deal, blah, blah, blah. Now we're going to get one of our, you know, uh, your competitors going to come in here. And I'm like, okay, you know, I certainly understand that. You can even take all our schematics, all our drawings. You can give it to them if you want. You know, I, I understand I'm walking away from this. Well, about two days later, I get a call from that manufacturer and he said, Scott, you made the right call because none of the other people would take the deal with that customer because they're still waiting on their $200,000 they haven't gotten from three years ago. It was an education institution. Sometimes it's it's kind of hard to sue education institutions. You kind of look bad when you go after the K-12 district and <laughs> stuff like that. But um, so he was like, Scott, you made the absolute right choice on that. You would have been so screwed if you had pursued that. And so, um, yeah, you know, I think understanding that, you know, we're older and we've developed that through hard knocks, but being able to use AI, being able to analyze what went wrong with this schedule, uh, where were the dr balls dropped? How can we build in some uh, contingency into this so that it doesn't happen again? Um, that's going to be very powerful. And I'm going to, I think we're going to start to see all this incorporated into some of our project management software. In fact, I'm using one called Asana right now for a couple of projects. And it does have that ability to, it, it will suggest things to me, uh, you know, that you might want to think about this, or you've already scheduled these things. So are you sure you want to do that? Because you've just booked 15 hours worth of stuff on that day. It may not be a smart idea. So I think, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how our world changes. And I think you're exactly on point that it's going to be about people, about relating to people. It's going to be about the emotional intelligence. It's not going to be the technical stuff because we'll offload that to uh, some other AI. You, you know, uh, firing your customer to grow your company. Look, that is, that is definitely louder today than ever before. You know, there are... Companies out there that are not, we, we say the juice ain't worth the squeeze. You're, you're <laughs> used and abused uh, uh, companies to death, and they're just not worth working with. They're, 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 they take up more of your time. They break your people more than ever. And that's the kind of relationship that grows companies. Today, we're looking for organizations that we're partnering with. And that partnering, which means we're, we're, we're taking them, we have their financial interests in mind. Right? It's always, there's always a financial connection to the uh, people relationship. And the more that we interact with that, where we build that trusting relationship, where every single day, you know, there's brands that we work with that have amazing relationships. We work with McDonald's, and I would tell you, our relationship with those folks, they've grown us, we've grown them. Every single decision we make is always based on how do we protect that customer? How do we look at them and go, I'm never ever looking to do something, uh, you know, to, to bite my hand, to bite the hand that feeds me, right? To, to take care of it. And I feel like likewise, they do the same for us as, as they look at us and help us grow. Uh, they've helped us really uh, embrace uh, diversifying and become a woman-owned business. My wife who runs the company has, you know, multiple platforms and stuff they can go back to uh, with Melvin over there who really worked with us to help us uh, look at different parts of our business. I mean, look down to the way we feed our employees. We, when we do lunches here, you know, just this idea of realizing we weren't even doing vegetarian lunches. We have a whole group of people that work for the company and we weren't doing vegetarian lunches. You think to yourself, hmm, I, look, that's just a little silly thing to look at. You know, how do you get more and more diversity uh, and embrace that? And through that diversity, uh, we're, we're working with that brand. Uh, our whole company uh, has changed and it's been it's been amazing. So I think that's the stuff we're looking for, the relationships that help grow us. And then likewise, we're interested in the same way. So I think that that's going to happen uh, across, you know, the, those relationships we're talking about. So 
I know we've got a lot of places you and I here, and I, I we keep doing this over for a long time. I, it, it's so much fun talking with you. I, I you know, uh, every time we talk, I leave with so many more things I want to talk about. I know that we're going to go out and meet with the students next week. I, I just, you mentioned the website one more time, the uh, AI website again. Yeah, it's just learn about all one word dot AI. There's no dot com or anything. You can actually have dot AI as an extension now, and so it's learn about dot AI. And I will put some of the things that we've mentioned in here. And I would just conclude too by saying, you know, what you're talking about with trust. I mean, it's either trust internally. Do you trust your employees? Do you trust your colleagues? Do you trust your uh, vendor partners? Do you trust your uh, clients? I had one client that uh, I didn't trust and I would make them pay up front. Okay, 100%. (laughs) pay up front. Uh, and I had another customer that I worked for for the same amount of time that I totally trusted. And he'd call me up and say, hey, Scott, I don't got time to get the PO to you, but I really need this, this, and this. Okay, it's shipping today. We'll get it to you. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a trust relationship and how much smoother things go when you uh, trust people. So, uh, yeah, it's great talking with you. I love this conversation. We didn't didn't talk about a lot of stuff that we thought we were going to talk about, but I think it's a, a very valuable one when we look at this transition that's happening in our, our world today with technology and we look at what's going to happen post-COVID, that um, all these human elements are more important than ever. I love you. I love having this conversation. I look forward to next week with the, with the students and uh, uh, continue what we do. Scott, I'm grateful, grateful, grateful for uh, our time together today. Thanks a lot. Oh, thank you. Thanks for joining us. My name is Anthony Monategi. Always looking for people to bring insight into the industry. Finding ways to inspire people to have amazing careers in the development world. If you liked our podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really liked our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Thanks again for listening. Please share it with your friends.